0: we are back with full-length episodes for all of our listeners this was such a fun conversation with carly o'tero as she was getting ready to compete in the san diego rodeo this last weekend carly is a three-time nfr qualifier mom of five and is back on the rodeo trail ready to make a run at the 2024 nfr she didn't start winning until reno last year on her then five-year-old blingalina and ended up the season in the top 20, so we are betting on her this year. Carly has two phases to her rodeo life with a little break in between, and this conversation talks about the the behind-the-scenes truths and the ups and downs of life. Carly talks about handling raising kids and a barrel racing career, starting over, selling great horses and seasoning new ones, and still pursuing your dreams to make the finals. We hope you enjoy this as much as we did. If you missed out on the Trisha Aldridge episode as a Patreon subscriber, it's not too late to subscribe and get both parts of her interview for almost an hour and a half of content talking about her great fraternity cult, Adios pantalones. In this two-part short go, Trisha talks about marketing stallions, setting goals, and making them a reality, plus whatever else we thought about. And this week for being a member, you'll get about 13 extra minutes with Carly talking about seasoning horses to rodeo and staying mentally tough. All for just $5 a month subscription. Visit patreon.com slash themoneybarrel or download the Patreon app to listen. We're grateful to this week's sponsor, Spalding Labs Fly Predators. Learn more at the commercial break and visit their website at spalding-labs.com. That's S-P-A-L-D-I-N-G hyphen labs.com. All right, Carly, it's your turn. This is The Money Barrel.
1: I'm really excited this morning. We have been talking a lot about our next guest on our rundowns because she's in the results everywhere she goes. And this morning we have Carly Otero on. So thank you for taking time to talk to us this morning.
2: For sure. Thank you for having me.
1: Where are you at in the world of rodeo? You're at a pretty exciting place.
2: I am. So I'm in San Diego. It's the very first uh, Padres rodeo that C5 Rodeo Company's putting on. Um, the inaugural rodeo so it's exciting they brought 12 contestants that were all um, invites and I'm really not sure how they chose the invites. Um, but I got invited so I'm happy to be here.
1: So you're here when when does it start tonight you said?
2: It starts tonight at seven so yesterday was our check-in our orientation they kind of walked us through the ballpark how it was going to be done and it's it's the logistics of the parking and being in San Diego and all of their rules like it's crazy how we have to, we have to like shuttle our horses in and out. We can't like take our own rigs. So it's gonna be interesting. So we'll see how how it
1: works. (laughs) Well, well, good luck. We can't wait to see it. I'm really excited to have you on because as we talked a little bit, I feel like you have like a phase one of your rodeo life. And now you're like in a phase two of your rodeo life. And I just want to talk about it all. So before we go into those specifics, um, why don't we just start like where you started in getting in horses? Did you grow up with horses and barrel racing, or how did how did you start this passion?
2: I did. So, I grew up around just rodeo in general. Um, my dad, my mom and dad high school rodeoed together. They were young parents, and my dad was a bull rider, and then a bull fighter and then a rodeo judge, and my mom always roped around barrels. So, it was kind of just a way of life for us. Uh, you know, we just, everybody scraped by so that we could pay entry fees. So I always knew that that was going to be my life, and um, it just took a little bit longer for me to get there. I got into school, and I loved basketball. I loved cheerleading, all the sports, softball. So I really didn't do too much in high school as far as high school rodeos and stuff, aside from just riding at home, like on the ranch and things like that. And then once I got married, and I got married young, then I was like, oh, gosh, now I want my horses back. <laughs> so that's it all kind of started for me. Um, my horse had it again whenever I was about 20 years old.
1: Okay. And when, did you go straight to rodeoing? Were you just kind of more of a local barrel racer? Like, how did how did that first set of NFRs happen?
2: So, I started out just, um, I was living in Oklahoma, Northwest Oklahoma, so there's not much to go to. So, I would travel to like, uh, Ross Wright used to put on Central 40s, which she still does. So, I would travel um, to like the Central 40s. I had very inexpensive horses that I just played with myself, got them going on the barrels, and kind of just, we worked our way up to having better horses, and just the competitiveness in me, I knew that if I was going to do this and put the time and effort into it, I had to work harder and keep getting to that next step, or it wasn't really worth my time.
1: I mean, that's that's pretty honorable to be like, we're doing this the right way,
2: <laughs> yeah, no matter yes, it what. Took, So my husband and I, uh, my first husband and I bought my first horse um, from a gentleman named Don Perry out of Enid, Oklahoma. He owned Way Out West Western Wear, And I started that horse and stepped up from there. And it was 10 years before, well, let me rephrase that. It was eight years before I decided, hey, I've got some decent horses. I'm going to try to hit some circuit rodeos. And then I knew once I started placing it like circuit rodeos there at the Prairie Circuit, then I might be good enough to kind of venture off a little bit. And then about three years after that is whenever I made my first finals.
1: And when did Dylan come in to the picture in all this?
2: So Dylan, I got Dylan um, early in the year. I'm trying to think the exact time. It might have been March of 2011.
1: Okay. Um, or it was
2: April 2011 because at that time San Angelo was in February, and I'd already gone to San Angelo. Um, I had a really nice a streak of flame, Philly. She was four that Michelle McLeod trained, and she was my first what I would consider really competitive horse. Where I knew, hey, I could like venture off to some Texas rodeos, and even though she was four, I could get on her, and we would place nearly everywhere we went. So I had gone to San Angelo. Placed second in the first round, placed in the, the short round honor, and automatically that put me in the top 20 because it was, you know, early in the season. Mm-hmm. So we get to Longview, Texas, and I'm there getting ready to run, slack runs late at night and it lasts forever. And Anissa Self was there parked next to me, and Michaela at the time was young, my oldest daughter. And uh, Anissa said, I've been watching your daughter brush your horses and take care of them. She said, I've got a horse um, that we're gonna sell that might fit her if you're looking for one for her. Well, I never paid attention to, and I still honestly don't, this is terrible, but I always focus on myself. Who was in the top 15? Who made the NFR? I just always knew that it was my goal to get there and what everybody else did was kind of their story. So I didn't focus on anybody else. So I didn't have a clue who she was, that she had made the finals. So I said, yeah, give me your number, and and I'll talk, you know, to my husband and see. And so a little bit of time passed by, and and I called her, and uh, she said, well, you know, he hasn't done anything in a couple of years, and I think he'd be great for a kid, blah, blah, blah. So I went, and I tried him um, because I didn't want to just throw McHale on him. And I just tried him, rode him around at Anissa's house, and I loved him. And I was like, okay, let's vet him, and, and I'll buy him. And like I said, at that time, not even knowing, and Anissa's so humble, she never even said, like, hey, I may be NFR on this horse. Uh, and uh, and he had had a little bit of some soundness issues with his feet and things like that, which, you know, was no big deal because we were just like, hey, it'll just be a second horse behind my, my mare, BB, and no big deal. Well, I bought him and instantly just went to winning on him. So he became my number one, you know, within a month.
1: How old was he at this point?
2: He was 11.
1: Okay. I was like, yeah. How, how does she like, I have a horse for your little kid, not... I have an <laughs> NFR horse that I've made it
2: on. <laughs> yes, yes. She's, and she's just so humble. And we became such good friends. We still are great friends. And it's all because of him. So oh, I love it. Aside from him being a superstar, I mean, she built that horse from the ground up. I mean, nobody can take any acclamations on Dylan except for Anissa. Um, and the story that she has from when she picked him out of the pasture to training him—I mean, it's she she made that horse, so she deserves so much credit for him.
1: Oh, I love it! So you got him and went on to winning, and that's the first year you made the finals.
2: I made the finals that year, so I never fell out of. Um, I was—I think I was like 16th whenever I bought him, and I just kept climbing up. I never fell out of that top, you know, 20 position. And I went into the finals that first year, position number five.
1: Wow. In I should have done a little bit better research. I thought I remembered these things, but it was a while ago. Um, yes. You guys had really good finals, right?
2: We had a great finals. Um, so I think I placed, I hit barrels the first three rounds, just, I think, jitters. And then after that, I placed um, in every round after that.
1: Wow. I just remember watching this big old buckskin run. Like, I just loved him.
2: Oh, he's such a, there's still, I feel like he's an iron horse. There's not many horses that have his grit and his want to. I mean, that sucker would run three-legged just because he loved us and he loved what he did.
1: I love it, and remind us, how long did you have with him, and how many NFRs did you make to start, and kind of tell us about the ups and downs of some of those years.
2: Yes, so I made the finals that first year in 2011, I came back and made the finals again in 2012, and uh, we'll just kind of get personal here, 2013, things kind of started falling apart with my husband and myself, Mm -hmm. so to make it work because we had, you know, kids, um, kind of the stipulation was he was like, he, he wasn't born in a rodeo family and we all know if you're not born into it and then you get to that level, it takes a lot of sacrifice and a lot of selfishness just to be honest. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't prepared for all of that. Well, I was in my prime. I wasn't prepared to not be doing that. Something Mm -hmm. that, Hey, I've accomplished this being a mom with three kids, I was super proud of myself, so it was kind of, uh, 2013 came, I had, um, right after Houston, I had close to $60,000 one, which back then, in 2013, would have made the NFR. So I basically had the NFR made in 2013, after Houston, and um, he was like, hey, if we're going to make this work, we need to get rid of the horses. So I was like, okay, I'll sell everything to make my family work. So I gave I gave that up. I sold him to the Perrier's um, Cali. Yep. I knew that would be the best home for him. So I called them. Uh, we were friends. Told them the situation. They were very respectful of my situation. Asked them to please, you know, could we write up a contract or something where you guys can't resell him. Like, he's home with you guys forever. Or he comes back to me. They were super kind and did that. Um, so he's still there with them, retired. Um, so that happened and then we tried to make everything work and then by the end of 2013, it just wasn't working regardless. I guess sometimes when it's just not going to work, it's not going to work. So we went through, started, you know, splitting things up and did all that and then I bought arson to kind of get my sanity back so I had something for myself, um, and from Amy K and just I, it was like a god thing just meant to be I went to winning on him and I made the finals again in 2014 so um in 2014 was a rough year I hauled with my kids um pretty much by myself all year long and went to rodeos I'd never been to and just kind of told myself hey if this is what you want to do you're gonna to have to work really really hard and get out there and do it and it and it worked so
1: how old were your kids at this point
2: my kids were um, 10 and 11, and then the littlest one had just turned 6.
1: Okay. Did you ho- Were you homeschooling at the time, or did you have to go around? We get a lot of questions about how rodeo moms manage. Do all of them. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, they we kind of did both. They started school um, at public school. We were living in Stephenville. Okay. And they started school, and then... When things kind of got shaky at home, then I wanted them with me, obviously. So we pulled them out and started. I started homeschooling them on the road with the Obeka Academy, and and that did that was all fine and dandy and everything until my son wanted to play sports. So then I backed off a little bit um, in 2015, so that he could play his sports and do all that stuff. Because at that point, I needed to be mom. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where my break kind of stepped in, and I got the big kids raised, which J.C., she's just about to be 18 here in a couple of months, so um, that's that's kind of where that break set in, and in that 2015 year, at the end of 2015, I met Michael, who's my husband now, and he was rodeoing, top 20 in the world, so he continued to do his thing. I continued to do my thing, and we just kind of thought, well, he's missing we'll come together and it'll work and if not that's okay too we'll be good friends
1: that's crazy I forgot you owned Arson
2: yes yes how, and he's a phenomenal horse also
1: how long did you have him for
2: so I bought him um, at, in, at the Futurity in Oklahoma City back then the BFA was in Oklahoma City I bought him there and rodeoed on him all of 2014 and then so about two weeks before the NFR, Tripp called me and said, hey, I don't know if, you know, if you're going to rodeo again, what your plans are for 2015. Um, he said that I would like to buy arson if you want to sell him. And at that time, I, I knew things were getting to where, okay, I can't live on the road with my kids by myself. For one, it's expensive. I need a job.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and for another, they need me. So I told him, I said, well, you know, I've got the finals in two weeks. I said, but let me think about it, and I'll sell him. Well, about a day later, I called him, and I knew he would have a great home. And I said, yes, I'll sell him. I said, if y'all want him, I'll sell him, you know, whatever. And uh, he's like, okay, I'll pick him up after the finals. And I've always been very strict on not riding anybody's horses. Mm -hmm. So he said, said, I'll pick him up after the finals or whenever you're ready for me to. And he would have let me keep him for... A year, probably, you know, what he, he didn't care. And uh, I said, no, I said, let's just go ahead and get him delivered, and I'll just, you know, ride my colt, <laughs> ride my young horse at the finals. And he thought I was crazy, um, but it was just my own preference of, if he were to get hurt and I didn't own him, I was just weird about the whole thing. I still am. I always ride my own horses. Yeah. So, I uh, so he sent um, his driver, went down to pick him up. I said... Arson in a saddle two weeks before Vegas, and all I had at that time was Lolo, who we had bought as a two-year-old, and Michaela, my daughter, who was, you know, 11 at the time, just played with her on the barrels and took her to Josie clinics and did things like that. So I took her to Vegas, and uh, she won I, won, I think, like $63,000 on her in the Thomas and & Mac, and then uh, I sold her that following year in 2015 at the beginning of the year to Kelly Collier who went on and made the NFR on her, and, you know, she's a phenomenal mare. I think she made the NFR on her the first time, and then uh, she ran her. I think she got hurt, so she started breeding her, but she was a fantastic mare, too, but we had no clue when we bought her as a two-year-old that she was going to be what she turned out to be.
1: That's so crazy, because now with, you know, social media and everybody, everybody posting their videos, like, you kind of know these things better, but, like, I don't know if anybody had any idea probably back then that, you were on a cult like, cause I remember no, her doing all. so good.
2: Yeah. And I showed up there and I remember watching like the Cowboy channel, will go back and play those replays of the NFR. Mm-hmm. And I was watching 2014 and I had never got back. 2014 was such a blur for me. And anybody that's kind of gone through a divorce and things like that would probably understand. So I didn't even buy a picture from 2014 <sighs> at the NFR. I still don't have a picture. Um, but I went back and I watched these replays and the announcers the commentators were saying you know if she could ever figure out that first barrel she'd win out she'd win a go-round because I was placing third or I was placing fifth and and looking back now I'm laughing because she was so green I mean I literally like went to one practice at the NFR and then was just winging it from there so she did really good
1: oh that's so funny that's incredible um what? You know, you, you sold Dylan, you sold Arson, you sold Lolo. I feel like there could be a lot of fear letting go of a horse of those caliber, horses of those caliber that, you know, those are once in a lifetime. It's like, how did you manage, obviously, I know you had your family and business decisions, but like selling them and either being okay with it or like, did you have struggles with that? Because I feel like, I mean, those are three really hard decisions to get rid of those horses.
2: Oh, they're super hard decisions. I did a lot of praying about it beforehand because, you know, if you if you manage things correctly and you've got kind of everything together, I feel like you can make it work. You may not live the lifestyle that you want to live, but you can make things work with some nice horses, especially in today's times with all of these jackpots and everything paying so good. Mm-hmm. But I prayed a lot about it. And one thing about me is I am, I'm not a jealous barrel racer. I don't even know if that's the right word for it. I like to see people win. Mm-hmm. Um, I get excited. I feel like I'm a steer wrestler. You know, I get excited for the other girls. Um, there honestly is not one person out here, whether I talk to them or not, or if I know them or not, that I know every time they enter the arena, I'm like, gosh, man, I just hope all of us have good rest. Yeah. So when I when that happened and it came up to sell them and people were calling me, I was particular on who I wanted to sell them to. Because I wanted them to go to good homes. That's super important to me. And I want them to go on and be able to win. I didn't want them to just go and then fall off the face of the earth. And nobody would be like, oh, they were such great horses. What happened to them? So that made it a lot easier. And the fact that we're all friends and even this many years down the road, we could pick up the phone and call each other. That helps as well. So. You know, it's it, it's hard, the initial, like, oh, my gosh, they're not going to be in my trailer, and nobody's going to know who I am without them. All those thoughts run through your mind. Yeah. But on the other side of it, um, it has built so many relationships and friendships that have helped me later on in the future that it, it was all worth it in the end.
1: I love that. I That's why I just wanted to ask, because I know that's, that's a hard decision to make. It's and... so
2: hard. It's so hard. And, and so I'm not going to lie. There were... Tears. There was, you know, the seller's remorse at nighttime whenever things got quiet. All of that goes on. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the end of the day, I'm a true, true believer that if we stay faithful and walk in God's plan and just listen to him, things will work out. And it obviously doesn't work out in our timeline because we all want it right now, or at least I do. (laughs) But it's it's that test that you know, we're put in, you know, like I'm going to test you and see how long you can stay faithful and then I'm going to give you what you're praying for.
1: Exactly.
0: Let's take a break to talk about this week's sponsor. This week's episode is brought to our listeners by Spalding Labs Fly Predators. Did you have too many flies last year? Fly Predators can fix that. Effective and easy to use, Fly Predators kills flies before they hatch while dramatically minimizing your fly problems while saving you time. Don't struggle with flies another season. Learn more about Fly Predators and other Spalding Labs fly control solutions at spalding-labs.com. That's S-P-A-L-D-I-N-G hyphen
1: So, 2015 is kind of when, you know, okay, phase one rodeo life, that's what we're going to call it, ends. Yes. Um, And you kind of take a break. You have another baby. You start a really successful real estate career. Like, talk to us about those years where rodeo was not your main priority. Yes. So,
2: 2015 rolls around. Um, I stay home. I hit a few. I have young horses. So... Um, not anything that's really better than jackpots and seasoning, so amateur rodeos. So I hit a few jackpots. Um, I did go and take horses, didn't do any good, to the rodeos that I qualified for for making the NFR because you don't want to miss, you know, those qualified rodeos for the winter and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I did those, and then I came back, and I ha- I had my Texas real estate license back in 2011, just never really used it, didn't need to use it. So when that happened in 2015, um, the kids that I had moved in with my parents back at the end of 2013, and I was like, okay, I've got to get things together. I've got to figure this out. So I went and I bought my own place, started working full-time, and I knew I'm I'm not college-educated, so I'm really good at selling things. So I knew, like, I have to make this work. So I literally just busted tail, kept my name out there with the horse industry, and built my real estate business and uh, that's not an easy business to build in fact I feel like making the NFR is a lot easier than building a real estate business okay Um, but I, I literally marketed myself went out put everything else on hold aside from my family and work and built this business to where I could afford the life that we have now and to be honest with you Real estate has turned into a passion for me. I absolutely love it. I love rodeo. I love the idea of having the opportunity and the goals to, to make the finals again and do all of that. But real estate is something that I feel like I never have to retire from. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to get too old for it. I love everybody that I've met, my return people that have literally my clients have turned into family. And uh, I spent, you know, 15, 16 All the way, I guess I didn't really start even hauling with Michael much until 2020, 21, because after COVID. yeah, um, That's whenever I was like, okay, you know, I've kind of got my business established. I've got people that can help me at home. I can be gone. um, I could afford some nice horses. Mm -hmm. um, Not the ones I wanted, but ones that definitely had the ability and capability of going on to win resell and buy one a little bit better so that's 2021 is really when all of that started and i kind of started going again i had horses that were hitting and missing and then when they would win a little bit i would sell them and make money on them to buy something a little bit better for me not that the horses weren't good but for myself and what i wanted and it's got me here to this point
1: i I mean, I I love that. That's because I fall into the more like I don't want to sell it. Well, I sold one thinking it was really easy, and then I'm like, I'm never selling a good one I ever have again, um, <laughs> because it took me a while to get it back. But I mean, I just love that mentality. Like not that you had it all right then and there, but you just kept building and building. Yes. And, yes, and
2: that's I think, and especially in today's times, um, I know it's hard because. In those, you know, between 2016, 2021, I had my, my boys, my two boys. They're four and six now. They just turned four and six. So I was real focused on business and my, my little kids at that time. My big kids were growing, becoming adults. So that's a whole struggle all in itself, you know, letting them go and do their thing. And then Michaela, she wants to follow in my footsteps and she's done a fantastic job. The difference between she and I is she loves to train full time rather than, trying to have all the goals to make the nfr yeah but trying to it, it's just different not everybody has that i have to work for it mentality and mm-hmm. it's really hard when you have kids in our industry because there there are a lot of girls where their families can afford and i think it's great i'm not bashing anybody if you can afford to do it and that's what you choose to do go do it but it's hard when you're you're my kids and you have to work for it Mm -hmm. So we went through a lot of that struggle with with Michaela of, well, it's not fair. So-and-so gets to have this worse, and their parents just put all their money into them. And and I'm like, well, Michaela, I don't have the money to do that. And even if I did, I don't feel like I would because I've had to work for it. So you're going to have to work for it. I will give you a boost. I will loan you a little bit of money to buy a nice colt. And she's 24 now, and I think she's finally getting it. Um, she has worked her way up to a couple of really, really nice horses that are competitive. And I think she gets it now, but it's, it's tough. Um, it's, it's tough out here right now because there is a lot of money in this industry and there are a whole lot of people that can just go buy,
1: mm-hmm. you know, the great
2: ones. And, and me, I prefer to sell, sell the great ones because financially it helps my family out. But I also like to see other people win.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and in the end, I'm sure that was really, really hard. But as a parent, like that's something I have a four year old, and that's something that I'm like, I'm gonna have to work so hard on not being like, here, you know, you yeah. can have it, you know, helping out versus like you got to figure out how to do it yourself. I'll help you, yeah, but, but it's hard. Yeah, uh,
2: we want to win. Just we want our kids to win just as much as we want to. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to see them not going out there, knowing that they're capable of it, but you know they aren't mounted the. They just don't have the horse that's capable of it. But, like I said, those high school years with her were really, really a struggle. Her first year of college, she hated me um, because I had, at that time, I had a horse called Victor, which Brittany Diaz runs now. Um, Tiller Murray bought him, and he was so, so nice. I bought him as a four-year-old and went on and won several pro rodeos on him. And Michaela, her first year of college, was like, why can't I take Victor? And I'm like, because you have, you've got your own horses. You need to figure it out. If they're not good enough, let's get them sold and let's step you up. So that was really hard because as a mom, we want them to just show up and win. Yeah. But I knew that that that, that just was not going to be an option um, for my kids. Uh, financially, I wasn't able to just go buy them whatever they wanted. So if I started giving them my horses, then what would I have to ride? Because we all know as mom, when you give something to your kid, how are you going to take it back? Yeah. <laughs> so and that was another thing. Like, okay, yeah. if I let her run him. Then she's going to want him next weekend. And then I'm not going to be able to say no. And then my
1: horse is gone. Your horse is gone. And then it's harder to sell because it's theirs. Yeah. And, um, and that's a really hard standard. I feel like, you know, I've, I've seen high schoolers or college kids start out strong, but then like, as soon as they're after that, like now you're on your own, like that's almost a harder learning curve To have it and then not. Like, you may as well just learn how to build it from the start. Exactly.
2: Exactly. And, you know, we're always there to help and make sure that I always tell the kids, like, you're never going to be homeless and you're never going to be starving, but horses are a hobby at this point. And once they turn into a business, it's because you've built that business.
1: I love that. I love that. How you have two or three older kids.
2: I have three older kids. So I've got a son, Kel, who is 25, and he works in the oil field um, up in Wyoming. Okay. And then Michaela's 24. She lives um, out by Wickenburg, and she trains horses, and um, she sells real estate out there in Arizona. She cool. loves it. I don't think I'll ever get get her back to Texas. And then I've got Jacy, who's going to be 18 in just a couple months. Of course, he still lives at home, um, finishing school. So um, she's the only big kid that I have close to me at home right now. And then I've got the two little ones that are four and six.
1: How was it um, starting over with
2: It was hard.
1: Babies. Don't <laughs> let
2: anybody tell you it's easy. because <laughs> It's hard. Um, it was so Michael, um, whenever Michael and I got together, he um, had never raised any kids. He didn't have any kids yeah. um, of his own. And so it was kind of that conversation when we got serious of, hey, I... I at least wanna have one baby and me, I was like, shoot, I don't know I don't know if I wanna do that. In my mind I had my kids young. I was gonna be thirty eight years old and they were, you know, gonna JC be the only one left at home and nearly graduating and uh I just knew like we were super happy together and everything was working. I was like, I'm just gonna have to give in. I remember talking (laughs) to my mom and her going Carly people your age have kids all the time I was 36 at the time people at your age have kids like it's not a big deal you're not old you're not a grandmother like it's fine so um we had Hudson a year later and then um I was like it was funny because I was like okay you've got him he's awesome we love him he's all the big kids were just crazy about him I mean it's it's different in the fact that luckily my kids just loved him and mm-hmm. at that time all the all the kids were at home with me were in college at tarleton close by so they got to basically you know do everything with him and finding babysitters was easy because they all wanted him right so and then um houston was a complete surprise so we um i had to go in for a little procedure um for my colon Uh, It was on April 1st in 2019, which was right after Michael won Houston, the year he made the finals. He won Houston, you know, a couple of months before, and they go in and they do all the blood tests, and my doctor comes in there and he's like, is there a chance you're pregnant? (laughs) And I try not to use bad language, but I said, hell no, I am not pregnant. You need to retake that test. And (laughs) he's like, okay, we'll run it again, and he's like, well... I think you might be pregnant. We're going to be able to do this procedure today. So I laid there for like an hour (laughs) in the pre-op and he came back and he's like, um, you can go. Do you want me to go talk to your husband and tell him? I was like, yeah. Would you tell him? So he walked out and we've become great friends with my doctor now, but he walked out there and he said, Mr. Otero, we're not going to be able to do this procedure this morning. And I've got some some good news for you, though. And Michael's like, what? And he's like, well, she's pregnant. And Michael's like, well, good. I've got things to do. Can you send her out here?
1: Oh, my gosh.
2: And, I, and he came back. He said, I think Michael's good with it. So, <laughs> so that's how we got Houston. That's how he's got his name, Houston, because it was the year Michael won Houston Rodeo, made the NFR. So that was a crazy year because Hudson, um, I had Houston November 2nd. Hudson turned two November 21st. And then we were in Vegas the day after Thanksgiving with a newborn and a two-year-old. Oh, my gosh. For Michael's a rope at the NFR. And it was exhausting. It was like a whirlwind. I don't even think I remember day-to-day what we did.
1: I mean, I can't handle Vegas as an adult by myself when my kid's at home. <laughs> I could imagine doing it, it with kids.
2: exhausting. I just remember thinking, <laughs> if I make it through this and survive, I, I'm going to feel like Superwoman.
1: <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Um, okay, so that was... That was 2019, COVID Mm -hmm. hits, the world changes, Um, all of that craziness, what, I mean, what kind of started the path to the horses you have now, you know, and kind of getting back into it the last year, year and a half?
2: Yep. So I had went in 2020, um, and everybody kind of got frantic before they, you know, 2020 was just crazy um that year i was able to buy um two really really nice young horses from a friend of mine um, that had lost her job so she called me they were already started and she said hey i need to get rid of these horses i want them to go to somebody that will finish them either resell them to somebody that will go on and do good with them or keep them so I, i feel like i i stole these two horses um because of her situation and took them on, started them. They were really nice 1D horses, but I didn't feel like I could step them up to what I knew I needed to compete at the rodeo level. Like I, I qualified for the American semifinals on them. I did all the, those things, mm-hmm. but I felt like I just didn't have that. It takes it takes a special grit and edge, I feel like, to go win at pro rodeos. Yeah. So I sold them, sold both of them to a couple of college girls who went on and and still have them do fantastic. And that was in, let's see, that would have, I had them almost two years. So that would have been the end of 2021 whenever I sold them. And we had started in the meantime, about 2019, we had started buying like just yearlings. I bought an Epic Leader. Um, I bought a little Blazing Jellina, and things like that and bought and sold some cheaper horses just like I said to kind of stay in the horse business and work our way up and then um, it in uh, 2022 I had bought my gray horse which my Michaela bought from me she was running him now and, and wins a ton on him and I took him to some rodeos and I placed on him but he and I just didn't click not that he wasn't a nice horse and I couldn't ride him I just didn't he and I just didn't click So Michaela took her first horse loan out. She bought him from me. And I have always been friends with um, Brett and Nicole Monroe and Erica Blakely, And uh, they had Sly, who I'm running now, um, and they had bought him at the end of his two-year-old year, year, I guess. Um, And he was kind of ornery and waspy and real little. And so Brett took him and was training him and running him out there just at local things. And uh, every time they have something that they think is kind of nice that I might like, I'm so blessed because they'll call me and say, hey, this horse, you might like this horse. This horse might fit you. So at the beginning of 2023, um, I decided it took me like a month to decide, hey, I'll go up there and look at this horse. And uh, I went up there, met them in Georgia, and I jumped on fly, and uh, he was, had just turned five at the time. And I'd never been to a rodeo, and they were telling me all of his little quirks and, you know, the things you have to do. And, and I remember Brett saying, he may or may not make a rodeo horse because his brain is just wired like crazy. He's he's just a handful. And I was like, oh, that's all right. I like him. I like his size. So I bought him, not even having a clue. I just wanted something. Michael was going to go rodeo. I wanted something I could see because everything else I had at home was young. And then we go and have a terrible like march april may june we get to reno i remember crying because he never saw the first barrel wouldn't turn it i called nicole and brett and i was like what do i need to do and and nicole said you need to go school him put a tie down on him set his butt in the ground and make him pay attention and from that point on in 2023 i mean Um, I was told yesterday, I did another interview through email and they told me that he won eight first place rodeos over the summer, which is incredibly hard to do on the summer run Yeah, um, as a five-year-old, just seasoning him. And that's
1: Blingalina, right?
2: That's Blingalina. Okay. Yes. Okay. So he, um, you know, I didn't get, I didn't get to train him, um, but I, I'm, I'm always so thankful for great owners that are not scared to sell good horses. Mm-hmm. And not that not that anybody knew he was going to be great at the rodeos because nobody knew. And, of course, Brett trained him. So it's not like Brett was going to go to rodeos. Um, but Brett knew that he had that edge of whatever it is, whether it be rodeos or go be a kick-butt jackpot horse. He, he kind of knew that he was going to have that. But the rodeo scene is his thing. He loves it.
1: That's so cool. I, I, you know, we've talked about him a lot on like our rundowns and obviously I've seen him in the results. I don't think I realized he was only five years old last year.
2: Yes. Yep. So he's six now and I'm like, okay, I can ask him this year for a little bit more. I was real cautious last year, um, places that I ran him and things like that. But I feel like this year he's ready. I think this year he's ready to go and, show everybody how cool he really is and what he's capable of
1: where did you end up in the standings last year I know it was top 20
2: yes okay. I ended up 19th and the sad thing is is you know seasoning process is hard mm-hmm. so I drove over and um, I think we counted I drove over almost 40,000 dollars of barrels, oh. which would have I would have made the finals
1: starting <laughs> so, in basically June
2: yeah so it was it was you know discouraging but
1: also promising all at the same time yeah what is it about you know because you buy these horses and obviously some of them are just good situations is it just because you trust the people you're buying them from is there a certain type of bloodliner size you like because you kind of buy them in that train but not super proven yeah, I stage. in
2: between stage mm-hmm. um, just because i feel like it's really hard um, unless I know there's a there's a handful of people I'll buy a finished horse from. Mm-hmm. Um but for the most part I like to buy them in that in between stage where they're going and they're showing promise, but I can still kind of put my mark on them. Okay, that's my favorite, and they're not super expensive at that point. Like, yeah. they're affordable. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I look for. But there are the, the horse industry is hard, um, and you learn who you can trust and who you can't trust just like in any other industry so that seems to get narrowed down every few years a lot so there's literally just a very few people that I will even look at their horses and not saying that a ton other people don't have great horses um, I just have my circle of trust and Mm -hmm. I kind of stay within that circle and you know when the time's right the right one comes along and if it's immediately, that's great, and if it's five years down the road, then that's great, too, Um, you know, I I bought Kale Touch of Heaven,
1: oh, yeah, Uh, talk about him,
2: so I had a second horse that I um, had traded for, um, from a high school girl, Uh, he's fantastic, he's a cool little horse, um, but not really safe, in my opinion, to have around my kids, he was real watchy on the ground, and um, I placed, like, fifth at Pendleton on him. He's Not that he wasn't a good horse, but it was more for the boys. Um, we just didn't trust him at the trailer. And, you know, you can't tell the kids not to play around the trailer. So I sold him. And it was funny because whenever I talked about selling him, it was in the middle of summer. And Michael, I remember Michael, go, well, you got to have a second horse. Like, what are you going to do? I'm like, well, you know, I'll just run sly whenever I can. And if something comes up, I'll start looking for another horse. It wasn't... A week later, Cassie um, texted me, and she said, hey, um, I wanted to get in touch with you. And we all know Cassie doesn't sell anything. You know, she doesn't have to. And um, I'm really blessed. She's one of my good friends. We've been friends for a long time. And she said, "Um, I've got um, one of my own horses that um, I'm going to sell. She she said, I've got a handful of derby horses this next year. This is the end of his five-year-old year. And she said, if you're interested, let me know. And I immediately was like, yes, um, I've bought horses, just young horses. I've bought three and four year olds from her before and I ride well behind her. And so I said, yeah, definitely not even asking what horse it was or anything. And she said, well, the stipulation is I get to keep him um, for the rest of these derbies this year and then you can take him. So I said, okay, that's fine. Send me some videos. What well, was Kale touch to heaven. <laughs> and uh I was like oh wait a minute wait um let can you send me a price because generally I buy things from her that are affordable like I can just call my bank and say hey can I take a 30-day loan and yeah. I'm thinking to myself I'm gonna have to sell my house
1: <laughs> right
2: um, you know if I want this horse so um she tells me and And he was extremely reasonable, and I talked to Michael, her fiancé, and he's like, look, we really want you to have this horse. You know, we can get a lot more money for him, but we want you to go win on him. We think that you're going to do great, and that's where those friendships over the years come in handy. Yeah. Um, You know, staying loyal and staying faithful to people. And we are so blessed to have him, and it worked out. I picked him up in um, November, so just a few months ago. And I think I've already won close to $40,000 on him. Um, he's just, he and I are a match. It's, he's a lot different style than what Sly or Bling Lina is. So I'm having to learn that just a little bit, but man, he's such a cool horse. I'm so blessed to have these two horses and they're both six this year. They're, they're both ready to go do something. I think that I'm gonna have a great year.
0: Thanks for tuning in, and thank you to Carly for taking some time out of the rodeo schedule to speak with us. Don't forget to check out The Money Barrel at Patreon.com and subscribe today. Big shout out to this week's sponsor, Spalding Labs, Fly Predators. Stop the flies this year before they become a problem with Fly Predators visit spalding-labs.com that's s-p-a-l-d-i-n-g hyphen labs.com take a few minutes today and go check out our friends at barrelracing.com for more incredible content articles training tips and more all right everyone run fast be safe and we'll see you soon